0: Hi, this is Portland Conversations, and I am Jason Allen, and the conversation continues about the upcoming Portland elections. today with Sam Adams he is running as candidate for city council position number 4 or the other words nomenclature city commissioner position number yes. 4 Sam how are you doing you know Sam you are so, I I recognize you from somewhere uh, I'm not sure you uh were, have you been in politics before
1: uh briefly yeah 8 years and uh I don't know almost 15 years before that appointed positions been around
0: <laughs> I've been around, yeah. Uh, so what I want to talk to you first off is is about effective leadership. And I know as mayor of Portland, I mean, this is what you do, right? And yeah. uh, especially as we're looking at uh, what the situation we are in right now and, let's face it, no national leadership going on. How is, how, how is you as the candidate now moving into the position for um, how are you going to bring that past experience uh, to bear and um, how are you uh, going to, you know, deal with basically what the status quo is right now?
1: Yeah, great question. And uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm I find local politics and local government very attractive because of the lack of partisanship. And my approach is sort of radical common sense, trying to find out the best solution to a problem, the, the best path to seizing an opportunity, uh, always trying to figure out, you know, what are, you know, trends and issues that um, we're gonna be t- are gonna be tough to change, uh, what we can change, and sort of how to figure out the difference. and. But the trends we can't change, what are the backup plans for that? So I really like that, you know, there's no Republican pothole, there's no Democrat pothole, it's a pothole, how are we going to fix it? So I find that very, very attractive as opposed to what's going on, as you referenced, Mm -hmm. on the federal government level. So that, you know, since I left, uh, retired from the office of mayor, and the end of 2012, I went to work for... Portland City Club as the executive director for two years, and that's a 150-year-old community-based research organization, sort of the secret sauce of a lot of Portland innovation. Uh, Volunteers do research on a particular topic, interview people, and then come up with recommendations from sort of the, you know, grassroots up, and it was in, it was falling in, you know, financial disrepair, and I didn't want to see it disappear, so I spent two years turning that around. And then I was headhunted, went to Washington, D.C., um, was there for four years, and for much of that time was the uh, director of the United States program for a global environmental, uh, environmental think tank called World Resources Institute that focuses on market-based approaches to reducing greenhouse gas emissions and the impact of, of climate change. So I have that experience of having been a chief of staff to a mayor for 11 years, a city commissioner for four years, mayor for four years, but then getting sort of, you know, resupplied with, you know, grassroots um, energy and outlook here in Portland. And then the time I spent in Washington, D.C., a lot of it was traveling to cities around the world in the United States. So I was able to look under the hood of, you know, I'm a city nerd. So I was able to look under the hood of, you know, Delhi, India, and uh, Beijing, China, and, you know, uh, Rio de Janeiro, and and cities I never thought I would be able to spend quality time in to see how, how they addressed uh, similar problems. And so I come back to Portland with that sort of uh, hands-on experience, but also sort of infused with a lot of sort of new way of looking at things and, and how to approach it. And my decision to run was basically out of concern that the issues even before the pandemic felt like they were getting, you know, just out of reach of solutions. And not that I have all the answers, God knows I don't, or even all the questions, but I just love the city too much to just sit by and say, you know, that's somebody else's problem. So I wanted to offer myself as a as a choice. I wanted to have a good uh, contested election on the issues. Um, Portlanders, you know, only about 35% of Portlanders even before the pandemic thought that Portland was headed in the right direction. When I ended office as mayor, after the toughest recession, we'd had since the Great Depression, 60% of Portlanders thought things were going in the right direction. And I was certainly one of those Portlanders were concerned about the direction of the city. Uh, Houselessness, affordable housing, uh, congestion. Uh, Even then I was worried about the viability of our really great but very vulnerable small businesses and neighborhood businesses. And then concerned about cuts that the city was making to services that you know, families rely on cuts to the Parks Bureau, uh, for example, and recreational programs and that seniors rely on. So that was my reason. To, I didn't come back with the idea of uh, throwing my hat in the ring, but I just felt um, really alarmed by what I was seeing and wanted to make a contribution, if nothing else, to the civic dialogue during this campaign.
0: Excellent. Um, let's, let's move into uh, affordable housing. Because uh, as we move through this crisis and, we, and we're in the midst of it and when we start to crawl out of it, uh, I think affordable housing is going to be one of the main uh, concerns in the city as far as uh, keeping prices um, in, within reach and uh-huh. um, also uh, those who have been so affected economically uh-huh. that uh, that maybe they feel it is no matter what out of reach. Um, How how, uh, on the City uh, Council, how, how, how are you all going to address that?
1: Yeah, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot more that we can do. Um, You know, and that's, if I'm uh, elected to the City Council for position number four, I'd like to be appointed to the issue of affordable housing and homelessness. Um, I think it's important that we get on top of that. And that was before the pandemic it's like times 10 importance now Mm. as inferred in your question that you know people are really at sort of financial risk now more than ever and that could mean vulnerability it is mean it does mean more vulnerability to homelessness the first thing is uh, we gotta increase the supply of housing in the city Um, you know for every 10 newcomers to the city there's only been enough housing uh, built to house seven of them and that puts pressure on the cost of housing both rental and home ownership the city doesn't have a housing strategy and that's not the end all and be all but it's pretty hard you know to chart a path forward if you don't have a chart (laughs) Um, and I was interested in having the city do this uh, back in uh, when I first got elected to the city council back in 2005. And I just couldn't get the interest of others. Uh, I was as mayor, I wanted to make it really clear within the city government, there's confusion. Two agencies, two bureaus did housing, two bureaus did economic development. And so I separated and created the Bureau of Housing and created uh, or kept the Portland Development Commission so we could have accountability and more sort of strategic approach to affordable housing. So I think the first thing is that strategy has to account for, and these numbers are pre-pandemic, so they're obviously gonna change, but the underlying basic need is still there, is to, to make up just a portion of our undersupply of housing and to moderate housing costs. It means that we have to build about 23,000, of ho- 23,000 units of housing in the next 10 years. And in order to do that, we have to attract, depending on how you count it roughly, about $15 billion in the city uh, from private investors from the private sector to build that housing. And money behind building housing usually comes from cities, big companies, uh, insurance companies, uh, investor groups uh, in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles. So they look at the best place you know cities around around the nation the best place to invest housing for a return and that can that can lead to a lot of mistreatment of local cities. Um, there's some great national investors and developers out there, and there's some bad ones. so I think having a strategy and helping to define for outside investors and local investors what we're looking for and being really clear about the number of units that we need to Get private funding for, and having everyone around the table in a transparent process will help. But that's a plan, and you know I'm all about action. I think action without a plan is is uh, dumb. But I also think that a plan without action, especially in these times, this pandemic times, is mm-hmm. also foolhardy. So part of that is also coming up with sort of ready to build concepts, so that. You know, we're offering the opportunity for developers and sites where we want, let's say, multifamily housing apartments or condominiums to happen, uh, that we sort of pre-approve concepts for that building, and that outside investors and local investors have the certainty that if they invest in Portland, it will get done in an expeditious manner. And if we do that work up front, then we can also... Uh, include neighborhood and business district concerns that might come up and try to problem solve them beforehand, not after a building permit has happened. So, you know, having about five, my goal would be about, you know, 5,000 units of housing through this process be sort of pre-approved conceptually as ready to build. In terms of land, the city has land, uh, but also if you, you know, you look at what I call the mossy parking spots at the outer edges of the of the big parking lots, of the, you know, big box stores. You know, they're mossy because they're not being used. Obviously, as you know, others know, parking behavior has changed. And so those parking spots are not making money for the owners of those uh, big stores and, and big parking lots like they used to. So I think there's opportunities to approach them to make some money and for us in the process to have more affordable housing uh, in places in communities where people will accept it, if not embrace it.
0: Excellent. Uh, where, uh, as far as the city of Portland, how 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 do we and how does the city council go forward as as uh, far as uh, the situation with the homeless is concerned?
1: Well, in 2015, the city council appropriately declared an an emergency around houselessness and affordable housing. Uh, And they've invested um, additional resources into trying to solve the problem. But beyond that, they're not really acting like it. And it's time we do. For example, you couldn't name for me who is the coordinator of services for houselessness for Portland city government. Because there isn't one.
0: Um,
1: You know, where's the weekly meeting? The war room is the wrong Sort of terminology, but you get a sense of where's the weekly meeting of uh, under the commission form of government. Sort of the siloed work of the city. You got fire. You got AMR. You've got you know the uh, the police bureau. You've got parking patrol. You know and and where is that coordination? You know where is that. A weekly meeting of coordination for planning ahead and addressing concerns not only for those that are houseless, but also those that are impacted by houselessness, those that are housed. That weekly meeting doesn't happen. So there is the Joint Office of Homeless Services, and that's great, um, shared by the city and the county, but that's like four or five people. And the city can be a much better partner with Multnomah County through the Joint Office of House Homelessness Services if it itself was more coordinated. So we need to build more housing and attract more private capital uh, to keep the cost of housing down. And we need to coordinate the resources that we do have. And I have other ideas. You can go to samadamspdx.com housing. But that gives you a sense of a starting point of do better at least with what we have and provide better services to everyone being impacted by this.
0: Yeah. yeah, at this unique pivotal point in time, uh, how does Portland continue its progressive approach to uh, climate change and to uh, green technology and implementing of green policy?
1: Yeah, we've really uh, lost momentum when um, at the risk of back, back slapping myself, uh, patting myself on the back, we were number one in, you know, City for Sustainability. Uh, climate action when I was mayor. And I think we're that same rating. Now we're in the twenties. Mm. We've really lost momentum. We really sort of taken our eye off the ball here. And the best time to make those kinds of strategic uh, policy changes and those strategic investments are in good economies. And this has been one of the strongest economic rebounds, even too hot at times, you know, you as referenced with, you know, uh, gentrification and housing costs. Yeah. But it's, it really is an opportunity lost. So what do we do? Um, we go back to looking at, for example, when I talk about coming up with pre-approved design for apartment buildings or, or multi-story condo buildings, that's an opportunity from the ground floor, from the, the inception on the idea as you build it out to do that in a sustainable and green way. And if you build it in and you design it in, and it's part of your assumption from the very beginning, you can do it in a very cost effective way to build it. And then the cost of operating it can even be much, much less. So um, we need to get back to, that's one thing. The other thing is um, we need to look at all the cities permitting and regulations that stand in the way well-intentioned, but times change, that stand in the way of the kind of sustainable green development and redevelopment that we want to see. Um, we should be making it easier for people that want to put photo, photovoltaic solar panels on their roof. The, we should be making it easier for people that want to do gray water harvesting on site so that You know, when they wash their hands, it doesn't go in the same sewer as, you know, everything else that comes out of a house. So there's a lot more we can do. And having come from years of working at one of the top rated environmental um, think tanks, um, I got a lot of ideas. Um, And I think we it's about the way we do business from beginning to end not sort of bolting on the idea of, oh, we'll have this affordable aspect to this building. It's got to be part of the whole process.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, I know the word infrastructure is not a very glamorous word, uh, but as we move forward, um, talk a little bit about uh, Portland at the city level, about the infrastructure and moving forward with that, as far as like public transportation and et cetera.
1: Yeah, great question. And it's an, especially for me, a a pertinent question to um, helping to address with local action. There's so much about the pandemic and the economic devastation today. We've seen the worst unemployment rate since the Great Depression. Uh, The economy is basically almost at a standstill. So a lot of that are in the hands of state, but federal and other decision makers. But there are things we can do locally and around Uh, your question about infrastructure, that's one of them. When I was mayor, um, we took the five-year plans for uh, road construction, for affordable housing construction, for water and sewer construction. We took those five years worth of funded projects and we fast-tracked them to get as many of them done in the first two years when the jobs were needed most. And with the historically record-high Uh, unemployment rate that we have now i would say we need to take as a city that same approach again to fast track projects the jobs are needed now more than ever probably not as needed in three years three four and five we need to do that again and and while i'm on the the notion of what the city government can do in a pandemic we also need to the budgets of the city are going to have to be cut as are the budgets of all the other governments that work in the city of Portland. And within the 146 square miles that is our city boundaries, there are about 26 layers of government, independent governments that spend around 13, $14 billion a year. Uh, It makes no sense to have the city Bureau of Transportation sticking with transportation, you know, down on fourth street making decisions in a room by itself about what will be cut. And then you have TriMet, you know, out in the southeast in their conference room making decisions about what they're going to keep and cut. You know, there are nine transportation mobility providers doing work in the city of Portland. And, and if they cut the wrong things, if they cut frontline services, that will have, risks deeping the misery of this economic recession. Businesses count on those services, businesses that hire or not hire employees, So we need to be making cuts that are, you know, coordinated among those stacks of government, transportation, public safety, um, you know, parks, open spaces, that, you know, the cutting the right things and not cutting the right, you know, and protecting frontline services is important. In 2009, when I was sworn in just months after the implosion of Wall Street, I had to cut with my colleagues on council, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars. But I had the Transportation Bureau, for example, sit down with the other transportation and mobility providers. Uh, ODOT runs the freeways in the city. Uh, Multnomah County is responsible for the bridges over the Willamette River. You know, had them sit down and talk about, you know, how to coordinate the cuts, how to save frontline services by simple conversations coordinating um, those efforts. Uh, we also uh, cut 59 percent of my cuts in 2009 were administrative services and middle managers. Not that middle managers, and administrative services don't provide value, they do. Yeah. It's just not as valuable as getting money out the door to help businesses and people that are being impacted by this recession now.
0: Man, a lot of uh, difficult as, as far because as, I mean your experience with running through uh, 2008 and the re- recovery from that, uh, some real tough choices coming. As far as, you know, budgetary. uh,
1: Yeah, no, it's, this is a a brutal time. And the decisions that are made now by city government in the next six months will set the stage for how we recover, uh, how fast we recover. Um, We're a city of small businesses, you know, 84% of Portlanders work for businesses of 10 or less employees. And there isn't another top 25 city in the United States that has that concentration of jobs in that number of small businesses, so yeah. we really get walloped in these national recessions, and that means that having city government you know do the tough work of overcutting its budget so it has money to invest out in the recovery in the community is so important and that's what I did in two thousand and nine, all four years, and forty two million dollars in general fund services for you know, dislocated workers for more shelter beds, for housing vouchers to keep people in their homes, for investing in neighborhood Main Street businesses, uh, the Portland Seed Fund for uh, startup companies. Um, I'm really committed to, it's awful to cut the city's budget, but it's also an opportunity to look for that waste and inefficiency and take those savings to balance your budget And take those savings, like I said before, and invest it in in business and individuals' recoveries and services in the community.
0: Can you talk a little bit about uh, how, at the city level, how we can get uh, the younger generation involved and feel like that they have a voice to contribute?
1: Great question. I would, uh, you know, it will probably take uh, definitely a change in state law, perhaps a change to the state constitution but I think in local elections that the voting age should be 16. Right. I think that um, you know it it it's prohibited at the federal level. The state would have to make its own decisions. But for municipal elections, um, for local elections like city and county elections, I I think it's really important that um, you know 16 year olds still in high school um, that their voices are heard. I mean, we've seen. The power, because because we talk about they're the future, but we don't empower them to speak from the future. And, and look at what Greta, you know, from Sweden did, you know, and mm. the, around the issue of climate. I mean, so profound. And and the two dozen kids here in Oregon and elsewhere that are suing the federal government, you know, for base for basically having fossil fuel policies that are ruining their future. And that lawsuit you know, still active. I think we really need to balance a bunch of special interests. And one of the special interests that is not getting fair time and implied in your question is the next generations. And I think, you know, if, 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 if uh, wanna be politicians running for city council knew that 16 year olds could vote for them they wouldn't wait for 16 year olds, you know, to, you know, to invite them into their civics class. Um, You know, they would be reaching out and wanting to get their opinions. And I think it's really disempowering to, you know, to see these adults um, acting like they've uh, got a handle on the future uh, when clearly we often don't and need to be reminded. And those voices here and now, that will inherit that future as part of our local political electoral process. I think would be very healthy. Healthy.
0: You know, I, I hear you as a guy that's firmly rooted in Generation X. Uh, when I when I when I'm around my kids and just around the young people, and they and they have that sort of. Uh, uh, real focused and 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 very vocal and articulate and passionate about it I tell you uh it it, it to me it gives me hope that because um, you know i will be honest with you uh, as far as the generation x here, we you know i hate to be the poster boy for it, but we have not done a wonderful job at uh as as far as a, you know green climate and looking towards the future and you know other budgetary uh things that we've saddled on them um so it it gives me hope and uh, i'm 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 glad that uh uh within your hands and city council that uh we can help uh get more engaged in that and and give a voice uh to the younger generation um now we're gonna have to start winding things up because uh uh I, I get on a little tangent sometimes on side issues. Uh, but I want, I want to talk a, a little bit about um, you working with the law enforcement as a, as far as it pertains to the upcoming uh, general election season and what we saw last year with the protests and uh, just on the cusp of almost violence. Um, how do, how does uh, Portland at the city level, how do we deal with that? Um, as, as far as just trying to smooth over and, and keep the peace?
1: Well, I, I, uh, during my time uh, leading the city as mayor, I uh, definitely had, uh, had to deal with the challenge and, and the opportunity around Occupy Wall Street in downtown. And my approach uh, was to respect the right of assembly and free speech for sure, uh, but to keep it peaceful and um, and obviously, that's I think most everyone's uh, desire for uh, assemblies and marches um, to go that way. My time in washington d c as a, just a resident of washington d c was very instructive because talk about marches and protests, you know almost every day. so I got to really observe uh, since I lived uh, near the White House. Um, I got to observe and the mall, national mall. I was able to observe, and I think what the city finally came to in terms of, you know, you can protest, you can counter-protest, but we're going to keep you apart uh, for safety. Um, I think that's the right approach. Um, I think that having, um, you know, communications open to the key party leaders of the sort of key Efforts, even though a lot of times there isn't a leader, um, but at least the city communicating uh, its expectations for how a particular event will go is really important. Um, I always uh, used as police commissioner used uh, restraint um, because I believe in free speech, but I also like in Occupy Portland when it, despite the best efforts of the original organizers was devolving into something that was not of the original organizers and was becoming inherently dangerous, we found a way to uh, disassemble one of the largest occupied camps in a very relatively very peaceful way. And so I'd always always lean into trying to keep the peace and balance that with um, commerce and the rights of the non-protesters, you know, to have a life as well try to balance that with uh, freedom of speech.
0: Excellent. Sam, uh, where can people go to learn more about your candidacy and uh, learn more about what's going on with you?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, www.samadamspdx.com. It's been great talking with you. Thank you. I hope I can come on again.
0: Hey, thank you, too. Uh, We will talk to you soon, okay? Cheers. Excellent. Bye now.